It's June the 30th. Let's read the Bible. Friends, do you know what day it is? This is the last day of June. We started this journey on January the 1st. We have made it through January, February, March, April, May, June. It's amazing. Turn to a friend right now and just say, it's amazing, because it is. Here we are. And to those of you, and there's a lot of you, who started with us in January, congratulations. Even if you've missed some, it doesn't matter. And I know I continue to be amazed by the number of people who tell me they haven't missed a single one. Well, God bless you, whether you're brand new or whether you've been with us a month or two or all six months. Today, we are exactly one half of the way through the Word of God. What, what a joy, what a privilege, and what a blessing. We're halfway up Mount Everest, and by God's grace, we're just going to keep on reading, keep on climbing, and by the end of the year, we're going to beat the end of the book of Revelation. So this note came in. Good morning, Pastor Ray. So grateful for this Lord's Day and to be able to start it on the Bible bus. We always keep you on our prayers. Thank you for your dedication to reading through the Bible and making these videos available. Well, we do it because there's a lot of us who really need to know the Word of God. We want to know what it says. We And there's a lot of us, I think, myself included, and I'm definitely in this group. I've read the Bible before a number of times, taught it, studied it, and doesn't matter. Every time you read it, something new. So today, for the halfway Mark Bible reading, we're near the end of Second Chronicles. This is Hezekiah's highest point. The Hezekiah was a tremendous king, and this is his greatest victory. Second Chronicles 32 and 33. And I'm, I'm going to suggest it's his greatest victory, followed by what can only be regarded as a heartbreak. Let's begin to read chapter 32 of Second Chronicles. After Hezekiah's faithful deeds, King Sennacherib of Assyria came and entered Judah. He laid siege to the fortified cities and intended to break into them. Hezekiah saw that Sennacherib had come and that he planned war on Jerusalem. So he consulted with his officials and his warriors about stopping up the water of the springs that were outside the city, and they helped him. Many people gathered and stopped up all the springs and the stream that flowed through the land. They said, why should the kings of Assyria come and find abundant water? Then Hezekiah strengthened his position by rebuilding the entire broken down wall and heightening the towers and the other outside wall. He repaired the supporting terraces of the city of David and made an abundance of weapons and shields. He set military commanders over the people and gathered the people in the square of the city gate. Then he encouraged them, saying, Be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid or discouraged before the king of Assyria or before the large army that is with him, for there are more with us than with him. He has only human strength, but we have the Lord our God to help us and to fight our battles. So the people relied on the words of King Hezekiah of Judah. After this, while King Sennacherib of Assyria, with all his armed forces, besieged Lachish, he sent his servants to Jerusalem against King Hezekiah of Judah and against all those of Judah who were in Jerusalem, saying, This is what King Sennacherib of Assyria says. What are you relying on that you remain in Jerusalem under siege? Is it Hezekiah misleading you to give you over to death by famine and thirst when he says, The Lord our God will keep us from the grasp of the king of Assyria? Didn't Hezekiah himself 
remove his high places and his altars and say to Judah and Jerusalem, you must worship before one altar and you must burn incense on it. Don't you know what I and my predecessors have done to all the peoples of the lands? Have any of the national gods of the lands been able to rescue their land from my power? Who among all the gods of those nations that my predecessors completely destroyed was able to rescue his people from my power that your God should be able to deliver you from my power. So now, don't let Hezekiah deceive you and don't let him mislead you like this. Don't believe him, for no God of any nation or kingdom has been able to rescue his people from my power or the power of my predecessors. How much less will your God rescue you from my power? His servants said more against the Lord God and against his servant Hezekiah. He also wrote letters to mock the Lord, the God of Israel, saying against him, just like the national gods of the lands that did not rescue their people from my power. So Hezekiah's God will not rescue his people from my power. Then they called out loudly in Hebrew to the people of Jerusalem who were on the wall to frighten and discourage them in order that he might capture the city. They spoke against the God of Jerusalem like they had spoken against the gods of the people of the earth, which were made by human hands. King Hezekiah and the prophet Isaiah son of Amos prayed about this and cried out to heaven. And the Lord sent an angel who annihilated every valiant warrior leader and commander in the camp of the king of Assyria. So the king of Assyria returned in disgrace to his land. He went to the temple of his God and there some of his own children struck him down with the sword. So the Lord saved Hezekiah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem from the power of King Sennacherib of Assyria and from the power of all others. He gave them rest on every side. Many were bringing an offering to the Lord in Jerusalem and valuable gifts to King Hezekiah of Judah. And he was exalted in the eyes of all the nations after that. In those days, Hezekiah became sick to the point of death. So he prayed to the Lord who spoke to him and gave him a miraculous sign. However, because his heart was proud, Hezekiah didn't respond according to the benefit that had come to him. So there was wrath on him, Judah and Jerusalem. Then Hezekiah humbled himself for the pride of his heart, he and the inhabitants of Jerusalem, so the Lord's wrath didn't come on them in Hezekiah's lifetime. Hezekiah had abundant riches and glory, and he made himself treasuries for silver, gold, precious stones, spices, shields, and every desirable item. He made warehouses for the harvest of grain, new wine, and fresh oil, and stalls for all kinds of cattle and pens for flocks. He made cities for himself, and he acquired vast numbers of flocks and herds, for God gave him abundant possessions. This same Hezekiah blocked the upper outlet of water from the Gihon Spring and channeled it smoothly downward and westward to the city of David. Hezekiah succeeded in everything he did when the ambassadors of Babylon's rulers were sent to him to acquire about the miraculous sign that happened in the land. God left him to test him and discover what was in his heart. As for the rest of the events, of Hezekiah's reign and his deeds of faithful love. Note that they are written in the visions of the prophet Isaiah, son of Amos, and in the book of the kings of Judah and Israel. Hezekiah rested with his ancestors and was buried on the ascent to the tombs of David's descendants. All Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem paid him honor at his death. His son Manasseh became king in his place. Now, Paul's here to say, this is a shortened version of the story. We got an earlier 
longer version of it in 2 Kings. Now, I want you to stick around for several more months as we get toward the end of the summer into the fall. We're going to take a few weeks and we're going to be in the great book of Isaiah, 66 chapters. And Hezekiah's story is told again for a third time in the Old Testament. This part is going to be told in the book of Isaiah. So just stick around with the Bible bus because we're going to get a lot more information about this. Ultimately, Hezekiah was a great man. Yes, he did get lifted up with pride. And yes, God did test him. And well, we'll talk about that more later. But the bottom line of his life is he was a great, great man. And it must have been heartbreaking to think about what happens next. Hezekiah's dead. Second Chronicles 33, his son Manasseh. Manasseh was 12 years old when he became king and he reigned 55 years in Jerusalem. He did what was evil in the Lord's sight, imitating the detestable practices of the nations that the Lord had dispossessed before the Israelites. He rebuilt the high places that his father Hezekiah had torn down and reestablished the altars for the Baals. He made Asherah poles and he bowed and worshiped all the stars in the sky and served them. He built altars in the Lord's temple where the Lord had said, Jerusalem is where my name will remain forever. He built altars to all the stars in the sky in both courtyards of the Lord's temple. He passed his sons through the fire in Beth Hinnom Valley. He practiced witchcraft, divination, and sorcery and consulted mediums and spiritists. He did a huge amount of evil in the Lord's sight angering him. Manasseh set up a carved image of the idol which he had made in God's temple that God had spoken about to David and his son Solomon. I will establish my name forever in this temple and in Jerusalem, which I have chosen out of all the tribes of Israel. I will never again remove the feet of the Israelites from the land where I stationed your ancestors. If only they will be careful to do all I have commanded them through Moses, all the laws, statutes, and judgments. So, Manasseh caused Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem to stray, so they did worse evil than the nations the Lord had destroyed before the Israelites. The Lord spoke to Manasseh and his people, but they didn't listen, so he brought against them the military commanders of the king of Assyria. They captured Manasseh with hooks, bound him with bronze shackles, and took him to Babylon when he was in distress. He sought the favor of the Lord his God and earnestly humbled himself before the God of his ancestors. He prayed to him, and the Lord was receptive to his prayer. He granted his request and brought him back to Jerusalem to his kingdom. So Manasseh came to know that the Lord is God. Hold on to that. Hold on to that. After this, he built the outer wall of the city of David from west of Gihon in the valley to the entrance of the fish gate. He brought it around Ophel, and he heightened it considerably. He also placed military commanders on all the fortified cities of Judah. He removed the foreign gods and the idols from the Lord's temple, along with all the altars he had built on the mountain of the Lord's temple and in Jerusalem, and he threw them outside the city. He built the altar of the Lord and offered fellowship and thanksgiving sacrifices on it. Then he told Judah to serve the Lord, the God of Israel. However, the people still sacrificed at the high places, but only to the Lord their God. The rest of the events of Manasseh's reign, along with his prayer to his God, and the words of the seers who spoke to him in the name of the Lord, the God of Israel, are written in the events of Israel's kings. His prayer and how God was receptive to his prayer and all his sin and unfaithfulness and the sites where he built high places and set up Asherah poles and carved images before he humbled himself, they are written in the events of Hosei. Manasseh rested with his ancestors and he was buried in his own house. His son Amon 
became king in his place. Amon was 22 years old when he became king. And he reigned two years in Jerusalem. He did what was evil in the Lord's sight, just as his father Manasseh had done. Amon sacrificed to all the carved images that his father Manasseh had made, and he served them. But he did not humble himself before the Lord, like his father Manasseh humbled himself. Instead, Amon increased his guilt. So his servants conspired against him and put him to death in his own house. The common people killed all who had conspired against King Amon, and they made his son Josiah king in his place. So you, uh, you're reading all this. What are we supposed to think? Wow. Uh, you know, this stuff about Manasseh, the story about Manasseh, about Manasseh's evil. The story of his evil is told in two places, in 2 Kings and here in 2 Chronicles 33. But the story of repentance is only told in 2 Chronicles. 2 Kings gives us the evil he did and the evil he introduced into the nation. Only 2 Chronicles tells us he was taken to Babylon, where he humbled himself, where he got right with God. Then he came back and, and he blessed his people. Uh, let me just read this. He, God granted his request and brought him back to Jerusalem to his kingdom. So Manasseh came to know that the Lord is God. You know what Manasseh is as far as Ezra is concerned? He's like a parable. He's like a living parable. He's a king who represents the whole nation. He, 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 he led the nation into terrible sin, and the nation willingly, even eagerly, followed him. He was taken into captivity where God humbled him, where he saw his sin, where he cried out, where he repented, where he got right, and God brought him back home. So Manasseh came to know that the Lord is God. I think, I think the story of his repentance, which is not in 2 Kings, is told here as a lesson to the Jews who came back from Babylon and were now a, a hundred years later. Their great-great-grandchildren now who wondered, Lord, why did you do this? Why did you? Why? Look what happened to Manasseh. Why did you? Why did you send the nation to Babylon? Well, number one, because God said he was going to do it. He warned them for centuries this is what was going to happen. But he did it so that in that faraway land, they would be humbled. They would get right with God. Their eyes would be open. They'd establish a relationship with God. And at the right moment, they would be brought back into the land. My friends, God knows what he's doing. He knows what he's doing in your life and mine. He knows what he's doing for our kids. He knows what he's doing for our grandkids. You got some prodigals, don't you? We all have prodigal friends and loved ones. Sometimes they might be our parents who are prodigal, grandparents who are prodigal, kids who are far away from the Lord, and grandkids far away from the Lord. God knows what he's doing. It's like the prayer book of the prodigal son. What's, what's required in order to be restored? Uh, you got to go to the far country. Sometimes that's the only way you can learn the lesson. Judah would not finally be cleansed of idolatry until they spent 70 years in the heart of pagan idol worship. And there God finally, once and for all, cleansed their hearts. God knows what he's doing. So friends, go out and have a great day. Rejoice. We've made it halfway through the Bible. But remember, when you 
Don't don't fight against God's discipline. Don't don't fight against the Lord. The Lord knows what He's doing, even when what's happening to you right now may not make any sense. Just go out. Have a great day. Whatever happens, know God's working out His plan in your life. Come back tomorrow. We're going to start the second half of our journey by wrapping up this amazing book of Second Chronicles. Come back tomorrow. See you then.